You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So today, what I want to do is look at the Chicago Bears. Typically, what I do is on Friday, we look at the Bears. On Saturday, we do more of an in-depth, how do we beat the Bears kind of episode. But I'm not going to work today, which means I have a little extra time to do some extra stuff. And one of the things I want to do is go back and watch the game from last week and try to just watch all of the passing plays and just see what happened. And after looking at that, kind of giving my thoughts, because I've seen a lot of stuff, and I'm starting to see a lot of people on Twitter, um, not naming names, but giving reasons for why things go wrong, and I don't think I've agreed with just about anything I've seen this past week. It's really weird. These guys are pretty smart, and um, generally what that means is they've played a lot of Madden in their life, so they understand uh, a lot of stuff. (laughs) I mean, legitimately. But... um, you know, I mean, even if you understand things, sometimes you're just not seeing the right stuff. So, I, I don't know. I, I just want to see for myself. And um, so that leaves f- f- Friday, it is tomorrow, to kind of divulge what I found. Also, um, Sir Billy has given me an idea. He wanted me to, well, he didn't actually directly ask me, but he was, we were kind of talking about offensive linemen, different stuff, and certain statistics that he would like to get some information on. I found the statistic. But he also went on to elaborate that um, maybe as a Patreon perk, we could have something where maybe people ask to find certain statistics or look certain things up, and I could go find it. And so I would like to try that. So I've got a couple different things that I'm going to put up on uh, Patreon. The advanced statistics type stuff that I'm planning to do is going to be for anyone in the $5 a month or higher tier, which really that would mean 5 or 10 I'm also planning on putting that video up somewhere for the $10 a month people, but I'm not exactly sure how to do that because Patreon's real iffy about that. But whatever, we'll figure it out. Bottom line is, if you're um, a donor on Patreon, you want some more information, like, you know, what are this person's snap counts, what's this, that, the other, ask the question, and I will uh, try to find it and put it up in Patreon. Sound good? Good. Also, since I didn't hear back, we're doing another giveaway It's the same one, but we haven't had anyone reach back out to me. So uh, after the break, we're going to do another name, another drawing, and it is going to be for either a Chuck Mercine jersey or for an 8x10 of Johnny Holland. Both of them are signed. Both of them are authentic. So anyways, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So in all seriousness, this uh, Chicago Bears game is pretty important. So um, 
between this and the Vikings game, trying to get you to buy a ticket to go and scream like a crazy person, kind of a big deal. These aren't exactly Washington Redskins cheap, but you can get a ticket right now for as little as 110 bucks, which really for a Chicago Bears Green Bay Packers game is not that bad. So I definitely encourage you to check it out. If nothing else, download the Vivid Seats app. Just peruse it, see if they've got the seats for the price and everything that you'd be interested in going for. If you're not interested in going this week, check out the Vikings game. Is there any chance I could talk you into going to that one? Hostile territory for sure, but they're going to need a lot of help there. If nothing else, keeping the volume down when the Packers are on the field. See if we can invade their territory and flood their stadium. But either way, check out the Vivid Seats app. Again, they've got the 100% uh, buyer guarantee. Got the Vivid Seats rewards. And if you are new to this, just enter promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats app to receive up to $100 of a discount. So first things first, one of the things I'm also going to be putting up in Patreon, um, one thing I find interesting is teams' records compared to their PFF grade because it kind of gives an idea whether a team is overachieving or underachieving. Last year I had said the Packers are underachieving because they were playing, you know, grade-wise as though they were about a nine-win team. Chicago right now has seven wins, but their grade, and I just looked at it, um, I have them right now at about a 5-8 and eight record based on their PFF score. Now, the Packers also, for the record, are about an 8-5 and five team based on their record. Now, it's not an exact science, but I just kind of broke it down in that kind of a way. So both teams are overperforming as far as getting more wins than they are deserving of by about two games. But, you know, I, I got to be honest, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm trying to find, re- I'm, I'm trying to buy into the Chicago Bears hype. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to understand it. There's not a lot to understand. You know, the idea that Mitch Trubisky's getting a whole lot better. Look, first of all, Chicago is ranked 20th overall. Their offense isn't, I mean, it's ranked 28th. And I understand this is, you know, overall as opposed to, you know, okay, well, what does that say about what they've been the last few weeks? All right, well, let's look at that. By the way, their defense is 8th. So it's not, this is not the 2018 Chicago Bears. It's a good defense, but, um, you know, 49ers are higher. Patriots, Broncos, Vikings, Saints, Rams. Packers are tied for 11th, so they're not far behind the Bears. But anyways, yeah, let's look at it. On a week-to-week basis, what has this offense been overall? Against the Detroit Lions, the offense had an 84.3 grade. That's pretty fantastic. You know what the second highest grade was? It was also against the Lions, because the Lions are just the worst. It was a 69.1 grade. There has been one game this entire year. Not the last three weeks in a row. One game this entire year, PFF has given their offense a good grade. Six average games and six below average games. That's the Bears' offense. So if we want to call the Week 13 game against Detroit this great game, because I know, well, what about Dallas? 68.5 overall. Passing grade, 61. It was not good. I mean, maybe we've we've fallen to the point of anytime Mitch Trubisky isn't pathetic, we call him a good quarterback or an ascending quarterback. I'm not really sure, but I don't know. Because that clearly wasn't his best game as far as you know passing grade, which is more than just Trubisky. We'll look at Trubisky. There have been, I'll call it, four games that are good. One technically was elite. That's the Detroit Lions game week 13. But there was the Vikings game week four. So that doesn't necessarily speak to ascending. That was just one flukish good game. There was uh, week 10 against Detroit because, again, it's Detroit. And then week 12 against the Giants because it's the Giants. After that was the Cowboys in complete collapse mode. And again, that was a 61 grade that was barely even average. If there's anything to write home about in terms of getting better, it's the pass blocking. The pass blocking unit, uh, the last three weeks, have been 
some of the best weeks they've had. It, it's been three straight weeks of being good. They, they've only had two good grades prior to that the entire season. However, the New York Giants do not have a pass rusher. The Detroit Lions do not have a pass rusher, and the Dallas Cowboys do have one, but apparently he didn't do a very good job. I don't know. Prior to that, the Rams, who do have pass rushers, the grade was a 49.7. So a little bit of a what-the-heck-is-going-on with the, the uh, offensive line kind of situation. The only real difference I can see is that Kyle Long at right guard has been replaced by uh, Rashad Coward. And Coward has done a pretty good job at right guard. But other than that, and, and you know, it's just, you know, I, I think actually a lot of that even would probably have to do with the wide receivers and running backs who have been blocking pretty well. Because if you look, for example, at Charles Leno, and I know I'm chasing some rabbits here, but again, let's follow this out. Have they been getting better? Not really in anything other than pass blocking. Well, how good is the pass block? Well, their left tackle, Charles Leno, is not good. He's given up a sack once in the last three games. One sack each in the last three games. He gave up a sack to Dallas, Detroit, and the Giants. Who in the world did he give a sack up to against the Giants? He's given up six total pressures in the last three weeks. Cornelius Lucas is another. He's got an average pass blocking grade. He's not very good. He gave up a sack against Dallas also. This is the Bears' right tackle. I mean, he's not horrible, and he's definitely, I mean, as far as being solid the last three weeks, he's followed that 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 line of being at least pretty good. But Cody Whitehair, extremely up and down. Sometimes he's just dominant. Sometimes he's just garbage. He had a zero, zero pass blocking grade against Detroit. A zero. I've only ever seen that once, and that was with uh, Garrett Bradbury in the Vikings. So he's pretty volatile. Oh my goodness, Rashad Coward had a zero pass blocking grade against the Rams. So Rashad Coward is at a great last two weeks. This has to be because of the competition. There's no way you have guys like Rashad Coward who, let's see, in week 7, a 42, week 8, a 34, week 9, a 26, week 11, a zero. That That's his pass blocking grade. Suddenly he's a great right guard? I don't think so. I think this offensive line is in for a rude awakening when they're facing... Um, Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. I think they're in for a very, very, very big rude awakening. This is not the Giants. This is not the Detroit Lions. So I, I'm just not buying it that suddenly the pass blocking. And, and, you know, okay, I took a little bit of a step. The final guy is James Daniels. Exact same situation. The last three weeks have been pretty solid. The, the pass blocking grade, 71, 84, 83. What were the prior three weeks? 42, 38, and 24. Sorry, not buying it. And I know James Daniels is better than 20s and 30s, but again, the question is, we're trying to establish, is this team actually getting better? And I'm trying to find something that says, yes, they are getting better, and I'm struggling to find anything. Well, what about the man himself? The, the, the whole point of this is that Mitchell Trubisky is getting better. And look, technically he is, and I've, I've already said that, he is getting better, but getting better compared to, this, this is how he started the season, 49-53, 49-41, 51-57. He didn't have one average game until week nine against Philadelphia, and his grade was a 60.7, exactly average. It took him nine weeks to have his first average game. So is he improving? Yeah, he is. Do you want to know what his grades have been since? Well, against Detroit, he had a 78.6, because it's Detroit. LA, he had a 62.7, which isn't great, but it's average. Against the Giants, a 71.7, because it's the Giants. Against Detroit, again, an 87.4, which is great. And then against Dallas is 65.1. So again, he's had three good games, three average games, which is much better than how he started the season when he didn't have one average game. So is he improving? Yes. But where does do these grades rank? Three good games, 
I should say, a very good game, two good games, and three average games. How does that compare to every other quarterback? Are we worried about that? Detroit with one of the worst secondaries in the NFL? Making Mitch Trubisky look competent? Not really. Not super worried about it. And and look, there, I'm not super surprised that when the pass blocking gets better, Mitch Trubisky suddenly starts to look like a competent quarterback. And again, so let's follow this out. You've got teams that can't rush the passer, can't rush the quarterback, making the offensive line look better, making Mitch Trubisky look better. Well, let's see what his stats are when he's not under pressure. He's 204 for 291, which is 70.1% completion percentage. It's incredibly high. His adjusted completion percentage is 76.5 when there's no pressure. That's pretty solid. He's thrown for over almost 2,000 yards, 6.8 average, 14 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, a uh, NFL passer rating of 96.3 when he's not under pressure. That's for the whole year. That's not bad. When he's under pressure, 49 of 101, which is a 48.5 completion percentage. That's terrible. He's thrown for 4.6 yards per attempt, which is really low. He has two touchdowns, two interceptions, a PFF grade of 37. Of those 52 incompletions, only three of them were drops. So it's not like he's got a bunch of droppy wide receivers. Not when he's under pressure. I mean, he's a bunch of drops in the other category. But we're looking at what makes him a bad quarterback when he's under pressure. So look, yeah, I, I think, what what is the issue that we've been saying with the Green Bay Packers? The Packers are having a problem getting into a rhythm. I think the last few weeks, the, Green, uh, the Chicago Bears have been allowed to get into a rhythm. Mitch Trubisky can sit back and distribute the ball to his guys. Nagy's doing a good enough job of scheming guys open. His job is just to get the ball to the guy that's standing there with nobody near him. He's doing it in a comfortable, clean pocket. And the Bears offense is able to roll down the field. People watching the game say, wow, Mitch Trubisky looks different. He looks comfortable. He looks competent. And that's all true to a point. I mean, was that ridiculous interception, which is about when I stopped watching the game. But he came back and won the game. Cool. Good on him. I'm just saying I'm not seeing too much that says, wow, look at this guy. He's suddenly a very good quarterback. But let's look at this a little bit more in depth. Let's, or, or, or maybe just take a step back here. Looking at the Bears offense in 2019, would you like to know how many people have a grade that are above average? Take, just, just pause for a second and think to yourself, how many do you think? How many can you pick? Offensive line, the running backs, the wide receivers, Trubisky, tight ends. How many do you think are above average? The answer to the question is one. One player is better than average, and that's Allen Robinson. Poor, lonely Allen Robinson by himself, borderline 80, which is a very good grade. The next best player on the team, I kid you not, Chase Daniel, 67.4. It's no wonder Bears fans hate pro football focus so much. One person is above average. 12 out of 27 are graded as below average or worse. One is above average. 12 are below average. That's the Chicago Bears offense. So let's not get too carried away with, wow, this is something special here. This is still the Chicago Bears offense. Now, to be fair to Mr. Trubisky, he is technically the sixth best player on this offense. However, it still just makes him average. So furthermore, if you just look at the statistics over the last three weeks, the Bears offense scored 19 points against the Giants, 24 points against the Lions. That's kind of right in line with what they've been doing all year. Yes, 31 against Dallas is an anomaly, but Dallas in and of itself is an anomaly. Teams are allowed to have anomalies once in a while. 
the last three weeks before, I mean, just, just 24 against the Lions, 19 against the Giants, 7 against the Rams, 20 against the Lions, 14, 16, 25. I mean, they, they scored 25 against the Saints. Nobody threw a parade. They got 31 against the Redskins back in week three. It was an annihilation. Were they a great team in week three? The, the point is, I don't, I don't want to get too carried away with this. And, and the big reason why is because I feel like it's not just Packer fans and Bears fans. This can seep into the locker room. The Bears have a lot of energy right now, and they have a lot of false energy thinking that they're a real good team. And the Packers, I feel like, are kind of in the opposite direction. They're a 10-win team sitting around going, what is wrong with us? Don't believe me? Go look at the locker room interviews. That wasn't good enough. I don't know what's going on. We've got to fix this. The Packers are and need to realize the far better team in this contest. It is in December. It is at noon. It is in Lambeau. The Bears' defense is not better. They scored 31 points against a Dallas Cowboys team that is in a complete collapse. They are falling apart at the seams. Well, Dallas has one of the best defenses in football, actually. Okay, and they just gave up 26 to the Buffalo Bills. How many people that play for Buffalo on that offense would you say are competent players? Their quarterback is not good. Offensive line isn't great. They don't have wide receivers. Their running backs are plotters. They don't have a tight at 26 points. The Detroit Lions scored 27. The Minnesota Vikings scored 28. This is what it's been for a very long time. Yeah, New England scored 13. That's cool. Take away New England, and you have basically the entire NFC North and the Bills scoring 28, 27, 26, and 31. Dallas is falling apart. End of story. By the way, the Packers scored 34 on them also. That was the most any team scored against Dallas. Just throwing that out there. So I, I, I get it. I get the trends. I get the, ooh, look at this and look at that and look at this. But everything has an explanation that doesn't point to the Bears are suddenly this great offense. That's not the case. It's not a great offense. Is it better? Yeah. They've gone from one of the worst offenses that has ever been to bad, but somewhat competent. By the way, that Dallas game, Mitch Trubisky threw for 231 yards. Whoop-de-doo. You want to know where the real dominant performance came? Uh, They ran for 151 yards. That's where it came from. I mean, 244 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. It's not bad, but it's definitely not parade-worthy. Let's all just calm down. So if we assume that the the Dallas Cowboys were somewhat imploding, how many really good teams can we say the Bears beat? They beat the Vikings in week four, which again, you can look at that and say this is a good team, right? Dude, they beat the Broncos. At the beginning of the year, we thought the Bears were good. We beat them, and it's like, dude, we just took down Goliath. This is a great team. Then they go on to beat the Broncos, who have this great defense. Then they beat the Redskins 31-15, to just annihilated them. Right? It was a good team. Then they whooped the Minnesota Vikings because, I mean, it's the Bears, dude, obviously. Then we come to find out they're not very good. They lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Saints. They lost to the Chargers. They lost to the Eagles. They lost to the Rams. And they beat the Detroit Lions twice, a team that is also completely imploding. They beat the Giants, who are one of the worst teams in football, and barely. By the way, they barely beat the Lions. They Both of those wins were uh, one-score wins. The Giants game was by one score. None of this is overly impressive. None of this is bringing me to the point where I need to look at this and go, dude, the Bears are coming back. The Bears have done nothing impressive other than pull themselves out of this pit of being just the worst team ever. But how's that offensive line going to hold up against the Packers pass rush? Just out of curiosity. The Packers defense is ranked sixth in uh, takeaways. 
the Bears have only played three games where they didn't turn the ball over. What do you think the odds are that maybe perhaps the Packers take the ball away? In fact, I think the last two quarterbacks were none too happy to play the Green Bay Packers. Daniel Jones had the Y knocked off his helmet. The guy just got absolutely punished, and Haskins was limping around since the first quarter. This Packers defense seems to be getting a little, if nothing else, angrier. They're meaner. The weather's getting colder, and the defense is becoming more and more unforgiving. I'm not so sure that I'm not a little bit worried about this Bears offense. I know it was an accident, but Darius Geis is out for the season. Haskins is hobbled. This defense is not messing around. And so the Bears, who have played five of the last eight games in Chicago, have to come to Lambeau Field 13 degrees to play against a really, really, really mean defense. Mitch Trubisky is going to find out real early that this defense's one goal is to make sure that he knows that they're right around him. They're going to chase him. They're going to grab him. They're going to bump him. They're going to slap him. Even if that ball's out, they're going to make sure that he knows we're coming. You better get rid of that ball quick because we're coming. He's going to get hit and he's going to get hurt a lot. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for a statement game. And I think this is a great opportunity because the last couple weeks, the expectation hasn't just been win. It's been win by 40 points. I mean, the Packers won 31-13 against the Giants and even that wasn't good enough. It's hard to beat a team that's incompetent and come away feeling good about it because you get no credit for it, just like what I did for Chicago against the team, you know, when they beat a team that nobody cares about. You don't get any credit. You know when you get credit is when you beat a team that that's actually worth something. Nobody really believes the Packers have the ability to just run away with this one. But I think this is a perfect opportunity to take an NFC North opponent, a team that is seen as ascending, as the Packers are seen as descending, and to absolutely stomp them right into the dirt, to come out hot right away, push the ball right down their throat, go up big, go up early, and never take your foot off the pedal. Frustrate their offense. Absolutely obliterate them. Because they need it. They need a launching pad to to get off of, to go into Minnesota and have a chance of winning that game. They need a confidence boost. And slashing through Chicago like it's not even there is a great opportunity to do so. So let's do the offense in a nutshell. At best, they have a mediocre quarterback. Their offensive line, they don't have anything. The highest graded offensive lineman that they have is James Daniels. His grade is a 66. It's their left guard. Cody Whitehair, who obviously has a real good reputation um, because his rookie year was really good, has not been very good since. I mean, he, he was okay the last two years. Right now, he's barely average. Cornelius Lucas has been the most consistently average player in the history of football. His highest graded season is a 63.3. His lowest graded is a 54.6. He's been in the league since 2014. 61, 59, 54, 61, 63, 63. We know what we're getting with Mr. Lucas. I mean, th- th- this is... This offensive line, and Coward at right guard is a 51, Leno is a 56. This is this is arguably the worst offensive line we've seen all year. There's nothing good here. Nothing good here at all. I borderline feel bad for Trubisky. This is garbage. And again, they, they've gone up against teams that don't really have a pass rush the last three weeks, and suddenly it's like, oh, they have a competent, no, 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 they have competent nothing. And they're about to figure that out. Montgomery and Cohen are both average. And I know what you're thinking. Well, Cohen, maybe not a good runner, but he's a great receiver. Eh. Is he, though? They, they, David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen are almost the exact same grades across the board, with, but David Montgomery's better in every category. 
except for blocking a little bit. Running the ball, 64 compared to 53. Receiving, 67 compared to 62. Tariq Cohen is average. If you want some statistics, fine. He's averaging 5.5 yards per reception. That's that's nothing special at all. The wide receivers, obviously, obviously Robinson is the one competent player on this entire offense. Miller is somebody they had really high hopes in in the slot. He's he's still just the same guy. It's it's We hoped he'd be solid, but he's not. He's a hair better than he was last year, but he's still just a... Mm. And then you got Javon Wims on the outside who just is having a terrible year. There's just nothing super great about that. And tight ends, they just don't have any other tight ends out on the field right now, so they're down to Holtz and Sowell who can't do anything. So you compare this to any of the teams we've gone up against, and I would argue this is a worse de- worse offense. Well, not worse than Washington. Eh, I don't know. I think Washington had a better offensive line. I think their number one wide receiver was a little bit better than Robinson. I think they had much better running backs. So they had a better offensive line. They had better running backs. They had at least as good of a wide receiver. I don't know, man. I'm not seeing anything here. Now, is it possible the the Packers just completely lay an egg and the Bears look really super competent and everything? Of course it is. But what I'm saying is I'm I'm taking away the excuses and saying I'm I'm not buying into the hype. I'm not buying into any of it. I think the Packers' defense is actually getting better as time has gone on. I think Jair has not had a bad game in a long time. Tremont has been solid all year. Kenny Clark is getting better every single week as a pass rusher. Zadarius has never taken his foot off the gas. The safeties are starting to step up in a pretty big way. Amos was our top defender last year or last week. Savage has had a good, solid couple weeks. Josh Jackson suddenly has arisen out of nowhere to where if, if Kevin King doesn't play, he could be the guy because they may want to put Tremont back in the slot. I don't know because he didn't have that great of a game out on the bound. I mean, it didn't look bad statistically, but, you know, he didn't grade out very well. But our, our defense compared to their offense, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Anyways, let's uh, let's take a break, and then we'll talk about their defense, which is good, but nowhere near the defense they had last year. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let's kind of go in reverse here. We'll we'll do what we did before, just looking at the big picture, and then we'll kind of zoom in a little bit on on these individual players. Um, First of all, I want to highlight their corners, because if you remember last year, they had a very, very good group of corners. 
Fuller and Amukamura were basically, I think they were both top five corners as far as PFF grades, at least top ten for sure. Jackson, Eddie Jackson, best safety in football, which again, because the media is just, all they care about is hype trains. They don't actually care about being honest. You could easily see how Eddie Jackson was about to fall off. I said so last year. Nobody else wanted to say it because everybody just wants to sound smart, and you sound smart by agreeing with the media, and the media just cares about hype trains and Eddie Jackson look good, so whatever, I'm right, everybody else is wrong. I'm getting used to it at this point. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix, everyone is pretending that suddenly he's a good safety. That's not true. He's always been a good safety. Nobody wanted to listen, but that's fine. So basically, here's what we're, where we're at right now. Khalil Mack is a very good edge rusher, one of the top in the NFL. Yes, he's graded out much higher than um, Zadarius. Very well-rounded, extremely talented athletic freak. You know who Khalil Mack is. Outside of that, there's not much going on along the defensive line. Now, I believe Akeem Hicks is coming back. He's been out since week five, and yes, he's a pretty good football player. Now, wildly overrated for the exact same reason that everybody on this defense, with the exception of Khalil Mack, was overrated. And again, I said this all last year. This is a bubble about to burst. You have a bunch of guys that are good that are playing as though they're great. So for Akeem Hicks is a great example. In 2015, he played for New Orleans, New England, and then in 2016, he's been playing for Chicago ever since. His PFF grades have been 71, 76, 76, 91, and so what happens? You have me saying he's about to come back down to the 76 range. You have the media saying, look at Akeem Hicks. What a great defensive tackle. He's one of the best in the NFL, which he was at the time, but the point is trying to pretend this is who he's always been and just nobody's ever seen it. No, no, no. Nonsense. This is a flukish year because Vic Fangio has this thing so dialed in, it's ridiculous. What happened? 2019, he's at 76.9. He's right where he's always been. Now, it's a limited sample size and all that kind of stuff, but it's just everything is right where you'd expect it to be. His run defense grade is very good. His pass rush grade is average. His tackling is pretty poor. This is the same Akeem Hicks that we saw in 2015, 2016, 2017. Expecting 2018 to happen forever is silly. Akeem Hicks isn't 2018. He is 2017, 2016, 2015, and that's what we're getting again. So when we're looking at Akeem Hicks, don't think 2018 Akeem Hicks. Think 2017 Akeem Hicks. If you didn't really know him all that much in 2017, exactly. The guy that was pretty good, and he is. He is good. I'm not saying he's not good. But again, he's not an elite defensive tackle. He's a good defensive tackle. So getting him back is going to help a lot. I think one of the biggest things, and I've done uh, two different Bears interviews, and the one thing that I highlighted is the thing that would scare me the most is putting Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack over on our the offense's right side where Billy Turner is because you not only have Akeem Hicks attacking Billy Turner, but you can have Khalil Mack you know, twist into the inside and attacking Billy Turner, and that just spells nightmare for everybody. Um, I also remember, I think it was Roy Robertson Harris was the guy that just completely destroyed the Packers offensive line in the first week. I don't know how he did it because he's not that good, but um, yeah, he had five pressures in that game. That was the second most he's had all year. He had six against Detroit. He had two sacks in that game that was tied for most. He only had two sacks against Minnesota. So the guy has four sacks on the season. Two of them came against the Packers and two of them came against the Vikings and that's it. So I'm assuming he's not going to have the same kind of a good day because he's just not a very good football player. Um, And then you got Leonard Floyd. I know Bears fans really wanted him to step up and have a really great year. He's not super having a great year. Um, He's just kind of the same old guy that he's always been. As far as the linebackers are concerned, everybody's real big on the fact that uh, Roquan Smith is out, and I believe Danny Trevathan is out, leaving uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Nick Kwiatkowski. Here's the thing. I've always said Roquan Smith is overrated, and I've always said Nick Kwiatkowski is underrated. I don't know if I've said that very much on this podcast. Uh, yeah, on this podcast, but 
The guy gets no love. It was uh, two years ago he was rated as the number one linebacker in football. Nick Kwiatkowski, the guy who just never finds his way on the field unless somebody gets hurt. Would you like to know the grades? So again, Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Nick Kwiatkowski are replacing Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. From best linebacker to worst linebacker, Kevin Pierre-Lewis has an elite grade. Nick Kwiatkowski has a very good grade. Danny Trevathan is average. Roquan Smith is below average. So the two worst linebackers are injured and are being replaced by the two best linebackers on the team. Okay, got it. Now, this is limited sample size, and both of these guys are much more coverage than they are run defense, where I think Danny Trevathan especially is very, very good against the run. Roquan, although he's grading out pretty terribly, um, you know, watching him week one, I was really impressed with him. These guys are downhill, attack the run kind of things. And we'll talk about this more tomorrow, but I think this is going to help out a lot as far as the Packers' ability to run the ball. Because again, Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis are coverage guys. Kevin Pierre-Lewis has an elite grade. All of that comes from his ability to cover, because mostly when he's out there, he's just out there to cover, and he does a very, 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 very good job. When he has to stop the run, he's terrible. He's the worst linebacker they have on the team in that regard. Now, Kwiatkowski isn't bad. He's actually pretty solid in everything. Run defense, coverage, pass rush, he's got an 82.4 grade, which is very good. I think Kwiatkowski's just a good linebacker. But the, the, the whole point of that is Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith, in all seriousness, is uh, a hit to the Bears' defense, but I don't want to underestimate what they have, especially Nick Kwiatkowski. I think he's a very good linebacker. So overall, looking at the front, Khalil Mack is scary. Roy Robertson-Harris is not. Hicks is good. Floyd is not. So, you know, I would probably take this over the Vikings' defensive line. In other words, it's not a great situation, but we've we've faced worse this year. Linebackers, Kwiatkowski and Pierre-Lewis, meh. But the biggest shock is going to come by way of their corners. Kyle Fuller, who has been a guy that, uh, essentially how this worked is he was terrible as a rookie. And there was a question about, like, oh man, this was a big mistake. But Vic Fangio, just like he did with everybody, and you can see this with a lot of the guys that are there, got better every single year that Vic Fangio was there. However, what Vic Fangio liked to do was play a lot of zone. Their new defensive coordinator has come in and said, nope, we're going to play man coverage. Kyle Fuller is not as good at that. So he is having his worst year since his rookie year. He is currently rated as the 60th best corner in football. Higher than Kevin King, but pretty much lower than everybody else that the Packers have. That's Kyle Fuller. And again, people are going to hear this and roll their eyes because they just think based on name recognition, no, 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 he's a good corner, trust me. Okay, I understand. You, you you recognize his name with being good, and you know the media tells you that he's good. Therefore, he must be good. I'm just telling you, the guys that watch him every single snap, every single game, are saying he's not having a very good year. The guys who said he was one of the best corners in football last year are saying, not very good this year. Buster Screen, garbage. Always been garbage. Kevin Tolliver, terrible. So we've got three guys that are not good at corner. Again, Thinking about Bears defense, we're thinking, man, they got good corners, they got good pass rush, they got good linebackers, they got really good safeties. What are we going to do? No, 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 no. They have three average to bad corners. Eddie Jackson is the 50th best safety in football, which you figure there's roughly, what, 64? A lot of teams play a lot of three safeties, so I don't know. We'll call it 75-80. He's 50th, worst year since ever. Haha Clinton Dix is the best safety they have on the team. In fact, Based just on grades, if we remove Kevin Pierre-Lewis because he's got some limited sample size type things, Clinton Dix is the third best player they have on this entire defense, and not necessarily because HaHa's playing the best he's ever played in his life. He's just playing like he's always played. Oh, look, he can suddenly tackle. No, sorry, he's always been able to tackle. I already proved that. If you'd like me to do it again, fine. Jump on Patreon, let me know. I'll run through all of it again, all the statistics. 
the amount of tackles and missed tackles. He had less missed tackles than pretty much anybody on the team. He's very, very low as far as safeties with missed tackles. He did not miss tackles. That's a misconception, and it's one of those things where when you're looking for it, you just always tend to find it. So you got guys that miss tackles all day long, nobody says anything about it. Clinton Dix misses one, it's like, oh, what do you know? Ha-ha, missed a tackle. Anyways, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. I mean, I did, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and come on out. So that's it. I mean, why are the Bears playing as poorly as they are? It's not just because the offense is terrible. This defense is nowhere near what it had been in the past. I know statistically they're, they're still very solid, especially in terms of points. They're 10th in yards. That's great. But again, just looking at the actual talent that they have, it's, it's a great system. It seems to be working. They're doing a good enough job, and I'm sure Khalil Mack is making it, you know, difficult for teams. They're doing just enough, but this is it's just not as good of a group. You can throw against these corners. You can run against this defensive line, and especially these linebackers. So recapping, you can run against this team. You can throw against this team. You can pressure this team. You should be able to stop the run against this team. I'm not exactly sure what the Bears are able to do, but this this needs to be, uh, again, just looking at the quality, the talent, the actual ability that this team has, it's just not there. They don't have anything. 28th best offense in football. And, and look, Washington Redskins, 27th best offense in football. So there you go. That just, as I said, I'm not sure that this offense is better than what we face against Washington. I it's not. Not based on what we were looking at. The only offenses that are worse, the Jets, the Steelers, the Bengals, and the Dolphins. It's still the same old Bears, ladies and gentlemen. It's still the same Bears. So, anyways, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Again, we'll look a little bit more closely tomorrow, or maybe Saturday we'll do that, because tomorrow I want to look more at the uh, what happened against Washington. But anyways, you folks, have yourselves a good day. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. No, I forgot to do the giveaway. We'll do it tomorrow. Bye-bye.